Hello and welcome to That's Rich, the podcast about rich people and the obscene things they do with their money, looking at everything from the mighty czars to Jeffree Star. I'm Rory Kelly, one of your hosts. With me as always is your other host, Daniel McEwen. Hello. Every week we take a look at a different rich person from history or from the present and examine what their bizarre habits of spending and making their money say about the contemporary world Mm. Uh, the way the podcast works is that every week one of us brings a story to the other one and then the other one reacts in humorous ways at just how much money a roman emperor can spend on a tower encrusted with diamonds Uh uh-huh yes uh, or just how many times a mobster can be publicly horny online um (laughs) (laughs) i love size miserably no i'm just remembering how horny can a criminal get you know just the how horny can a man be uh how are you doing today dan i'm good yeah no i'm really excited i i just like have been sort of uh chilling out trying to keep keep up to date it's been it's been a while since we've been back on mic for obvious reasons we had new year's and we had christmas because we yeah we 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 take a break too you know we we work hard we we yeah. spend harder i guess yeah <laughs> you know we don't have to slave away in 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 the pod minds to keep you entertained you know we have families too and uh what you want you know go go get someone else to get giggles out of uh, eddie peppertone or must have yeah. you know like but <laughs> Actually, i can send some people around because some people were knocking on my door like where are the funnies where are the funnies <laughs> and i was like just go there's anywhere else there's so many there's so many ports <laughs> we were promised giggles and we yeah, don't want this to get nasty we wanted a light-hearted look at quite a depressing concept so can you <laughs> other than that no, i'm good i'm just i've got my tea i've got it's been quite a chill i had a run today um lovely yeah which i've been doing i'm a runner now i run hither That's and a yon. Runner. yeah hither and yon where's your uh i'm not gonna ask you where's your what, what's it what's a neat i actually only question? i actually only run in a circle in the park so it's not anything <laughs> like totally crazy but yeah okay when you run arms Right? Are we talking uh, <laughs> pistons, or uh, or out sort of uh, like butterfly, you know, like kind of side to side, or uh, the ever popular uh, Naruto hands behind your back? I see quite yet. The butterfly hands is the most insane thing you've said to me, as far as like keeping <laughs> your hands in a straight arm like the chicken. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You That's... can picture viewers can picture it. At God, seeing Find us both more, do that. Is... Um, like a butterfly near the end of their very limited lifespan because they're yes, slightly yeah, lower. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, like that kind of um I'd Ooh, love oh yeah so the daniel craig you know thing but it's not yeah 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 yeah, yeah. But then there's the joe biden or old man in the park like kind of like dead end shuffle like last days on earth like kind of like <laughs> like kind of like, he's, like he's skiing you know like he's <laughs> yeah absolutely like... often uh we do a segment called minor royalties where we talk about uh small trivial contemporary rich people matters uh we don't have any of those uh this week we know that uh kim and Kanye's marriage has hit rough times, uh, but you know we're not we're not going to comment on that. That that'll be for future episodes. We'll do a deep dive. You know, mm. it's not for. Uh, it's too soon to tell. The story is developing. I will say, I was surprised. Um, yeah, me too. I, no, maybe I, I, I believe in this. Yeah, <laughs> I I bought it fully. Yeah, I was completely convinced. Um, I guess the only other thing in the news to talk about uh, this week is the um, <clears throat> attempted. Uh, uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, beer hall putsch uh, in the U.S. Capitol uh, a couple mm. days ago when a bunch of largely QAnon influenced Trump supporters yeah it was an uh, yeah the U.S. Capitol building to 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 run around it although we're just sort of let in as well yeah the uh, protest was, the yeah. confirmation of Joe Biden by the Senate as mm-hmm. um it wasn't in, in you know in a phrase 
the pigeon got stage fright. It was more of an attempted coup rather than a full, <laughs> a full situation. Yeah, we've all been there. You know, we all think, yeah, we can coup on the night, and then you know, it is. You know, I, it. by the time this comes out, there will be a lot of. Um, uh, there's a lot of taste going around. One thing it is something that I find incredibly funny is when quote unquote revolutionaries get to a main space and then don't really know what to do when they get there. It, it's happened in time immemorial just to, to speak to the, to the nature of this program. Cause there's the thing when Louis the 16th, yep. the revolution was thing and made him swear to the revolution. He was like, okay. And then they just left. <laughs> they were like, I don't know what else we need to do. Actually. Shit. We're here. We could have maybe just gone on a tour and we were. Yeah. Gone, <laughs> so, yeah. Can you show me kick. around? Yeah. I'm going to try on Marie Antoinette's dresses. I mean, like there's, yeah, it's the, it is actually an amazing look to see on their faces. It's the perfect kind of dogs chasing cars thing because mm-hmm. they get there and they just, what do you do? What do you do? I guess we take a podium. I guess we, and there was that very funny photo of the people who stayed inside the red velvet ropes. Inside yeah, the yeah, 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 because like the, the boundaries that haven't really broken down. Like, yeah. You, you've gone in, but the only, the physical threshold has been crossed, right? You have absolutely no idea what, what, mm-hmm. what to do when, once you're when, in there. When democracy fails, when you know everything else goes to shit, the red velvet rope is is the only authority left. Um, Can I say something? That's the smartest thing you've ever said. <laughs> that, that is, I don't, I don't, I don't mean on, that in a not. slightly patronizing way. That's actually a really good line. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Right. These people, they've 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 actually done what literally no other leftist movement. People were talking about the British austerity protests in mm-hmm. in the UK. Hundreds of thousands of people outside of Parliament, you know, could have gone in. Who, yeah. who would have stopped them? I mean, you know, there's, there's it's you can't stop a crowd that big. Never even tried it. Right. Didn't even bother attempting it and these guys get into the u.s capital but the prestige and the honor yeah. and the significance <laughs> of the red velvet yeah. rope the men it was someone trying to ignore it and they were like what are we these are our new rulers what are we we they they want us to fail they want us to do this <laughs> who are we if we do not stay inside the red um, velvet rope there was um yeah, it was just, it was very weird. I was, I was doom scrolling, which I, I, I resent actually led me to deleting Twitter. I was like, I can't, oh man, I can just update this. Otherwise. You're off? Uh, technically, I deleted off my phone. <laughs> but, uh, okay, that's something. I, the bigger screen. I'll go, I'll stick with the bigger screen for now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was, did you watch any of the speech, Trump's speech beforehand and the other speeches at the... I watched the... a bit of it. I watched the, uh, you know, We Condemn the, the Guy's speech mm-hmm. um, and I saw clips of the, of the slightly more kind of uh, goading speeches. I am off Twitter. And so experiencing this event, which was so heavily Twitter mediated, was very mm-hmm. strange because by the time it reaches Facebook, which <laughs> is like way downstream culturally, yeah. you know, it's already been memed three degrees, right? Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's yeah. hard to process. What were, you, what were your thoughts on the speech? It was just, I mean, speech was maybe generous. I, I mean, because he did the speech before they, before they even stormed it, where he was like, yeah. the stolen election. I do like that he's turned on Pence, because I feel like Pence oh, was yeah. his, last, his last guy, and he was like, I don't like him anymore. And it's like, God, <laughs> you guys have nothing else to talk about other than just bigotry. So like, yeah, I don't yeah, know exactly. if, you go, if you can't bond over that, yeah. I don't know what you guys, they got just nothing to talk about. It's, it's, yeah, it's perfect because he's leading the kind of, he's, he's on the kind of uh, rock star downward spiral and you know, it's, 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 he's obligated to alienate everyone around yeah, him. And so like finally his long suffering manager is gone. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, he's like aged Elvis. He's like stumbling yeah. out. 
because he doesn't quite you can't, he's not had it for a while you know when it was like remember it was, yeah. was it sleepy joe and it's like that's ah, not quite as good as no, it doesn't have the pop it doesn't Crooked, have the pop you kind of you're trying to you're trying to recreate the wheel a little bit yeah you know? yeah exactly yeah, yeah lying yeah, yeah. ted we, lying ted was yeah we're like play the hits ted. play the yeah exactly. <laughs> Do Lion Ted. Do, do Lion Ted. Yeah, way better. Yeah, absolutely. All, all his, all his, um, yeah, his glory days are behind him. Yeah. And now he's just trying to get through the day. Ted um, Cruz, the most, just the most pathetic dude outside of everything else. It's just like, absolutely. Why do you worm. even like this clown, dude? He's yeah, not even exactly. like cool. It's, <laughs> if he was cool, I would get it. But like, <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Not an iota of appeal in the man. It also, fun. look, okay. I don't want to dwell on this. It was also quite funny. <laughs> okay, this is the thing. <laughs> I also know it. I also it was pretty funny. Now um, that is true. <laughs> it was one it of was the so funniest funny. things to ever happen. Just um, these certainly the funniest tweets. thing to ever happen in the in the capital. Because they were um, talking to the press, they were filming it all. They were like, "Yeah, it was, it was." It the guy was, who uh, took the podium, I consider to be one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Yeah, the, the, he's like, I've got to have the the bit that covers the senator's crotch as he speaks. Like that is not where power resides, man. Yeah. It's just a, it's just a hunk it's of wood. It's just like, how did they get, I remember seeing that. And that was the real one. I was like, how did they get that far? Surely that's like yeah, really yeah. bad that they got that far. That should um, not be possible. It's, it's almost like if you open a gate, people come in. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Weird that. Yeah. Very <laughs> yeah. strange. But I think just, yeah, there was a, I don't know if it was hysterical. There was a lot of kind of the comparisons between the BLM protests and the, and these protests, which are sort of, you know, clear as day as far as like treatment of different groups go. It was like, mm-hmm. it was weird that they just went home. That was odd. <laughs> it's like, when um, done. Yeah. When done. Yeah. yeah. They'll tucker well, themselves exactly, yeah. out. They'll, I think the, the logic was that they got everyone out important. So we'll just let them tucker themselves out. Mm-hmm. But it was also just very odd. Like, it was like, why did you let them do even that? That's like such a more symbolic thing. Yeah. Well, the uh, police aren't just militarized, are they? They're also politicized. And they have a, they have a specific, they, mm-hmm. they roll out that response that we saw in, in the summer of looking like a, an army in a, in a mm-hmm. foreign country. But only to certain political groups, right? And only with yeah. certain political agenda. And that, that, I think, is basically demonstrable at this point yeah one other thing about the reaction that i is something i didn't see on twitter but i heard a lot from uh when talking to different people about it was people going like god it's like it's like a south american country or something like that. <laughs> it's like shut up man that's not jesus like, christ that comparison is so annoying it's like god it's like they're as unstable as third world <laughs> places like, yeah Probably some sort of shithole like yeah. you know <laughs> yeah but uh can't wait to what where he hits next uh you know, yeah, that'll be that'll yeah. be exciting to see. Hoping he hits Disneyland, that would be <laughs> that would be fitting. I feel like that would be a funny. Yeah, where else do we want to see him? I want to see the, the guy in the fur hat on like Space Mountain, <laughs> just like <laughs> trying to yes! break, trying to cut the the belt, the thing you pull down. Is like it won't. Oh, God, you stupid mouse. We don't want a Loki miniseries. We. <laughs> Right, so shall we go on to our topic for the day? Yes, please. Uh, so, Rory, you have been sort of diligently researching this episode, mm-hmm. so I'm just going to lay Indeed. back, let you hit me <laughs> with that sweet facts, those sweet knowledge. Is I'm just going to burst knowledge all over you. Okay, so today's figure um, today, uh, I decided to do entirely off the basis of when I first heard his name. Uh, not his birth name, by the way, uh, which is William 
Magier Tweed or Magier Tweed. No, stop it. Uh, sometimes incorrectly known as William Marcy Tweed. Uh, but his nickname and what he was almost entirely known for uh, in history and throughout the latter years of his life, which is Boss Tweed. Um, he oh was an American God. politician uh, who was active in, well, sort of prior to, but he's very associated with what is known as the Gilded Age. Is this a phrase that you're familiar with, Stan? Uh, kind of. The age of kind of, is, kind of is good enough. Um, <laughs> so the Gilded Age is a phrase that uh, usually refers to a period in American history, usually from around the 1870s, maybe a little bit before until the turn of the 20th century, usually following the period of Reconstruction, which is the period after the Civil War. I guess that's how history works. Okay, um, sure. But it's known as a, an age of uh, extravagant wealth, mm-hmm. of a great deal of industrialization, of the building of bridges and railroads, but it's also a phrase that was coined by uh, Mark Twain uh, to refer to this period in a very critical way, right? So gilded... That's, that's so him. Isn't... <laughs> Tell you what, that is, that is Mark all over. That, that is, is he... Mark. God, when would he say something sincerely? God. <laughs> he says a thing, but he means another thing. Genius. He's a genius. Because, <laughs> um, of course, if something is gilded, that does not mean gold. It means it's covered in gold and in a thin ah. layer of gold, right? So, but beneath... It is, in fact, not gold. Nah. Uh, and people boom, heard that. Twained. <laughs> you got twained, my son. You got, twain, you got absolutely twained. Uh, <laughs> you got cut in twain. Um, <laughs> to be fair, gilded sound, it's, it's too good a word. It's almost like the, uh, yeah. the, the mouthfeel is much better than the, the cutting satire that I'm sure Mark Gilded, twain. yeah, it does. Mm. It does sound nice. The Gilded Age is this, is this great age of American opulence and of uh, American industrialization. And it's, you know, sometimes referred to as the age when America was built, right? I mean, at the start of the Gilded Age, it takes you months to reach one side of, to reach from one side of the U.S. to the other. At uh-huh. the end of it, uh, the railroad is so prevalent, it takes a few days, you know, to cross a, virtually the, the breadth of an entire continent. I think um, that was the last time the U.S. had a good transit system. <laughs> the first well, exactly, last, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was the last time they, they plowed serious money into this sort of thing. But Boss Tweed um, was... <laughs> I forgot his name. No. Sorry. Sorry, go on. Laugh it up. Um, Boss Tweed was a significant uh, politician in New York City at the time, and he contributed to varying degrees um, to this uh, period of industrialization. But he's also... Um, one of the most corrupt politicians yes. simply ever to exist. Yeah. Um, so, Boss Tweed uh, was uh, born to uh, immigrants from Scotland, and he grew up uh, in upstate New York, and he, he got into politics through the wildest set of organizations that I can even describe. I can't really believe that this is how American politics once worked. Boss Tweed's political life began uh, when he joined the Volunteer Fire Department, um, or just one of the a ones. wild concept sorry <laughs> here are these schmucks without jobs the, the flame water fires putting out you got uh you got a fire we can do that yeah <laughs> water you need water right i don't, I don't know I well this is the crazy thing so there, there were many volunteer fire departments he joined um the uh what was known as the big six fire department named it was the sixth something or other brigade or whatever they were known as the big six um and these volunteer fire departments were groups set up in the mid and late 19th century to okay. uh, disperse fires, but also to deal with kind of other kinds of local disturbances. And basically, they were okay. a clear example of the deep ties between politics uh, and organized crime. Uh, so, and so just... wait, 
I have a, so they would put out your fire, but then maybe would rough you up later if you owed money. Is that the kind it of? It was that sort of thing. Yeah, it was. There was, a, there was an element of sort of racketeering to it, but also it does genuinely seem to just be that they organized in gangs, right? And and thus they had access to. I guess weapons. I believe I haven't actually seen this film. I've seen bits of it, but I believe that this is what's depicted in the in the Scorsese film Gangs of New York, where the, there's the gangs, but they're also kind of like political appendages, right? They ha- they have relationships to the rest of politics. They would sometimes leave some fires burning no. uh, in order to like compete with each other. Oh no! So, um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> That's uh no, that's actually out of our jurisdiction. I'm sorry, I can't, I can't, I can't do anything about that. That's something that. I said, like the corruption in fire department because it's such a transactional job. It's like you put them out, you try and yeah, exactly. stop the burning. So if you get, if you're, I was like, I didn't, I didn't put it out. It's like you must have an agenda. You must be doing that for some kind of ulterior purpose. You guys really need to. If you want to call yourselves the fire department, you simply must put fires <laughs> out. And if you deviate from that, you are just yeah. not doing your job. I only realized this as I was writing this. This is where, if any fans of the the, uh, the Lemony Snicket books, this is where the idea that the group in that is called the VFD, the Volunteer Fire Department, and they're like a sort of conspiratorial organization. Ah. I just thought that was color, but but it's inspired by a real thing. They really were kind of shadowy, uh, strange organizations that that had their fingers in a lot of pies. Um, it is quite I'd also just cool. like to pull. It is quite cool yeah. sounding, but it's we'll quite get into cool it. volunteer fire organization. Why and, wouldn't you want to be a part of that? Yeah, and it seems like there's perks. There were many perks. Yeah, you got you know, you got uh, <laughs> you got your pick of debris from burning buildings. <laughs> uh, uh, all the ash you could ask for. You could. <laughs> hey, you want tinder? You want uh, you want you want charcoal? <laughs> you want artists? That's the um, uh, that's the charcoal corner. That's where we just put all the charcoal. Boss Tweed got involved in the in the this, the big six volunteer fire association, and he became known. And this is true. This is this is his, his foothold into politics. He became known for his brutal axe wielding skills. Oh, <laughs> how, oh how just how ruthless with an axe he could be, like a um, literal axe. So that also appears to be part, like an axe, like a physical. Oh, like it was a an fire axe, axe <laughs> but it was also used for for like. Crying. I don't mean like he shredded the the, the guitar. I, I mean like a, he, no no. Uh, I thought, no come on. I didn't mean that. I meant I thought maybe axe he body spray. Like, I meant a physical axe. He used to cause fires <laughs> but, but, by spraying axe body spray and then <laughs> not put them out. Um, I thought you meant like he was a battle axe, like a political thing. But you mean literal axe is less. Yes, he was in the sense that he yeah. carried an axe <laughs> and he used it for <laughs> nefarious mobster, but also you know putting out fire means. Oh man, um, that's pretty brutal. So that's 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 what uh, Boss Tweed was known for. Boss Tweed was also uh, enormous. He was about six feet tall at a time when the average height was five six. Oh, that's um, and later you know, in his life, he would wear. Uh, sorry, go on. You just don't adjust for inflation on height, do you? You don't think like no. He was six <laughs> foot then. You realize, right? Yeah. Like they were tiny. He would have booted them. Like yeah. In the eras on. of manlets, yeah, when manlets ruled the world. Um, this is why people believe tall tales. This is like yeah, exactly, exactly, because of tall men. <laughs> yeah, because of massive dudes, <laughs> huge. Axes. When when life was that large, yeah. Um, and later in his life, he would wear ten and a half carat diamonds, uh, on his uh person at all times. Ooh. Um, so he had he had a he was a he had a huge, uh, charismatic personality, <laughs> large throbbing personality. <laughs> he would thrust in your face at inopportune moments. Um. I'd also just like to pause here and say, um, you could you could write a history 
of shadowy American organizations just by examining Boss Tweed's life. Um, he was okay. a member of uh, no particular order, groups called, and these are all real names, the Odd Fellows, <laughs> the Masons, uh, Tammany Hall, the Big Six Volunteer Fire Company, the Forty Thieves, and the self-titled Tweed Ring, uh, which Stop. were all just different rooms in which men smoked brandy and carved up uh, New York City. It must for suck each other. if you hear about the Forty Thieves and you're like, "Can I join?" It's like, "Oh, well, yeah, we already have forty members, yeah, so, 40, so it's kind of our might... whole thing." Someone Cause... might die, but. Uh... <laughs> The Tweed, what was it? The Tweed Circle? What was the last the one? Tweed, what was it? The Tweed Ring. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a fetching new oh garb that God. I want to wear. The Tweed Ring. The Tweed Ring. The Odd Fellows. Sorry. The Odd Fellows, yeah. <laughs> they are. They all sound like post-punk bands. Those are those Vegas, I don't know what any of those do. I couldn't tell you what any of those do, other than. Yeah, what shady other than shit, the Masons, I, guess. I suppose. Yeah, it, it is all just shady shit. Um, we'll talk about more of them in a little bit. Um, the 40 Thieves uh, was a group of aldermen uh, of the city of New York that were just known as horrendously corrupt. And uh, shortly after becoming elected uh, an alderman at the age of 27 in 1851, uh, Boss Tweed got involved with them, uh, was then the year after that, uh, elected to the U.S. House of Representatives, um, but immediately coming from from steeped in a kind of like a kind of broad social corruption that we can't even really imagine, right? Yeah. You know, where where these organizations run huge parts of of people's ordinary lives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, and so, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the alderman. God, more like the badderman. You know, it's just. It's, yeah. <laughs> Just one thing about the odd fellas, it's quite funny. It's like, it's odd that they are just uh, control my whole life and uh, rough and, and beat the <laughs> yeah, shit out of odd. me. That's I odd. I consider yeah. that odd. It's a bit odd in that we... <laughs> oh, you're going to say it's odd that they're fellas? <laughs> it's odd that they're fellas. Yeah, that's it's weird, odd that they're fellas. Fellas, is it odd to, uh, <laughs> to run the city of New York under a jackboot? So there, there are simply too many details uh, and uh, to, to boss Tweed's life to, to go into so much. So I'm, I'm, this is going to be a broad sketch. Um, we're okay. going to use it to, to talk sort of loosely about uh, various interesting things about the era. Okay. But just, just, just to tee you up a little bit, um, at the height of his power, uh, boss Tweed bec- would become the third largest landholder in New York. Oh, wow. um, was a member of all sorts of boards like the Third Avenue Rail Company and the Brooklyn Bridge Company. And he also died in jail. Oh. Um, so uh, let's uh, take a look at this uh, fascinating career. <laughs> um, shortly after being elected to the House of Representatives, uh, Boss Tweed would go into law um, after his friend... Uh, <laughs> the, the reason he was able to go into law was because his friend, George G. Bernard, uh, who would later become a judge just certified him as a lawyer. Just his friend just said, yeah, he's a lawyer. He can be fine. He'll be a lawyer. So he's able to open amazing. up a proper legal practice. I love how the, pro- the, the plot of Suits is based on like, <laughs> a 19th century dude. Like, exactly yeah. right. You're exactly right. And so, so he's, he's, a, he's a representative. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a law practice going. And he's also involved in, in probably the most crucial organization uh, to this story, which is a, an organization called Tammany Hall. Um, now, Tammany Hall was a, was a, became eventually an organ of the Democratic Party, which would go on to control New York heavily and, and still, of course, does. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, a, it was a sort of, it's difficult to describe exactly what it was. It was a kind of fraternal society um, that did a lot of, 
I guess what we now call community outreach. They were heavily associated with Irish immigrants, right? Okay. So um, it's the 1850s. Uh, a million Irish people have left Ireland. Uh, many of the vast majority of them going over to the U.S. because of the Great Famine. Okay. Um, and most of them pitch up in New York. Um, or a lar- large amount go to Boston, but a lot of them arrive in New York. And Tammany Hall is this group that, that welcomes them. They, they, they arrive there. They do a lot of outreach to get people settled. They help people look and look for and find work. Okay. Um, but in doing so, they also cultivated a good deal of loyalty uh, to the Democratic Party in right. turn, right? So it was a very clever way of building a, a voting bloc. And this group of, of Irish immigrants would become uh, crucial uh, mm-hmm. for Boss Tweed and New York Democrats uh, for the foreseeable future. Can I clarify something? So he was a Please U.S. Do. House of Representatives at the same time he was practicing law. Uh, I, you know what? Let me just check that. It was kind of, it was a bit of both, I think. It was, um, a, that was that time in it, you know. Just, you exactly, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. To do a bit of that. But, um, and it was there, so he was, because he was like a politician, it wasn't like he was a sort of modern gangster where he was doing stuff under the radar. He was just like a sort of, a fist of power kind of thing. That's a great question. Um, it was a bit of both, right? On the one hand, corruption was so brazen and open that basically yeah. everybody was doing it. But on sure. the other hand, he really was committing crimes. Um, and <laughs> there's a degree. <laughs> yeah. Corruption was fine, but also it was really bad. That he it was that very way. illegal. Um, you bring up an interesting point. Um, the main reason like, I asked was just because was it like our understanding of legal and illegal was far more gray i suppose there wasn't like clear-cut things you should or shouldn't do or it was like he knowingly broke uh etiquette you're asking that's a really good question um the legal code exists and and uh politicians uh should not be breaking the law and they know what laws they're breaking at the same time i don't know i don't know (laughs) at the same time you're kind of right that you know, it reminds me of this is a bit of a, a bit of a, a anecdote, but I remember when do you remember when Set Blatter, the head of FIFA, the horrendously corrupt yes. uh, organization, went down? Yes, yeah. And when he said he went down, he said, "This is entirely political. Everyone who's taking me down has done the same things I have." Now, the funny thing about that is he's right, right? He's completely right. FIFA is corrupt, top to bottom. And when he's ousted, it's not because he did anything wrong. It's just because he's fallen on the wrong side of the thing. So. Mm-hmm. People at the time probably said the same thing. This is how you did things. This is how yeah. you ran yeah. a system. At okay. the same time, it was illegal. I mean, it, it, it's, it doesn't make any sense to refer. And, and eventually, Bostweed would, would suffer the consequence of that, though, interestingly, for similar reasons to Set Blatter, which we'll uh, come back to. Okay, cool. Um, that answers your question. Increasing at the idea of uh, I'm your lawyer, Boss Tweed. Um, <laughs> was it just like. Was everyone's name just weird? It's like, ah, yes, you're Oakham's boy, or like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. dude, you have brought me to my favorite part of the uh, the script for this episode. So I'm just gonna say this now. <laughs> um, w- reading about this period is amazing because every name, every fucking name, is so weird to the point where it starts to rot your brain. Here are just a few that oh, I picked please, out yeah. from this. Uh, Boss Tweeds, uh, so here, actually, I'm not going to give you the context. Uh, this first one, I'm just going to say, because we're not going to encounter them again. Um, the first name in this list was Boss Tweed's uh, first primary opponent in the race he lost, in fact. Um, but I'm not going to mention it. I'm not going to tell you the context. Here. Um, so here are some choice names uh, from the Gilded Age. Uh, Morgan Morgans. No, come on. 
Peter B. Sweeney. Uh, <laughs> Peter B. Sweeney, you know. <laughs> oh, Peter B. Sweeney, yeah. Uh, <laughs> He'll play ball. Uh, Peter B. Sweeney, you know. <laughs> motherfucker B. Sweeney. Uh, John K. Hackett. Isaac Fowler. Can he? Can he hack it? <laughs> we'll do it on all of them. We'll do it on all of them, yeah. <laughs> Isaac Fowler? I uh, hardly know. Um, <laughs> Big Jim Fist. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I swear to God. Big Jim Fist. Big Ernie. Uri Railroad, <laughs> um, Richard Slippery Dick Connolly, <laughs> and more and more that we'll encounter uh, as we go on. Oh, this God. this gets so bad. I just want to say this gets so bad reading these names that as I was doing the research, unrelated phrases that are just capitalized, like <laughs> Alaska Purchase and Croton Aqueduct start to read like names in your head. <laughs> that they finance the Croton Aqueduct together, and I think, who's this fellow? <laughs> yeah. I oh, just God. That's so it's, funny. It's amazing. It's amazing. They all, everyone, so the, the key appears to be to succeed in New York politics, be horrendously corrupt, and have a big fucking name. Have a big Yeah, literally, ass. yeah. Also name. have a weirdly functional name that sounds like it could be either what you do or like <laughs> what people say about you. I feel I exactly. feel like that might be Ex- might be part of it. It what should be big. The f- what, Jim Big Fist was that his name? Big Jim Fist. Big Jim. Sorry, <laughs> God forbid. God forbid I say say it <laughs> oh, correctly. Yeah, excuse me. It's not Jim Fist. It's Big Jim Fist. Yeah, <laughs> it is simply mind mind rotting to read this stuff. He was already um when when he became. Uh, a representative. Yes, yeah, so it, it does appear from, from my notes, he was practicing law, uh, sitting as a, house, a member of the House of Representatives, and he was running a district on behalf of Tammany Hall. Okay. Um, so after a few years of doing this, uh, in 1863, he was appointed uh, the head of the Tammany General Committee, as well as the chairman of the Democratic General Committee as well, the Democratic Party. So okay. he's already, I mean, to think you could be chair of both those organizations, one which is essentially like a sort of, again, quote unquote, community outreach group, um, and yeah. another, a major component of, a, of, a, of an active political party is just crazy. Um, I think this is when he became known as boss, <laughs> yes, <laughs> because quite, he was yeah. in a very real sense the boss. Yeah. Um, and it's he also was when just his- tweed then. <laughs> <laughs> He's tweeted all the way down. Mm. Um, this is when his style took hold. This is when he started wearing the diamonds. He also just developed. A, he was he was a widely known figure for he would he would hand out cigars and whiskey to people on the street. Oh um, man, okay. He was known as 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 remembering you know everybody's name when he would meet constituents. He was he was a very effective. Politician was he well liked? And populist. He was he was really well liked. Was he just feared? Or oh, okay okay. Or is it no? Both? I think he was. Well, there will certainly be a good deal of fear involved, but he he was also liked as a as a figure. And bear in mind, he's a public politician, so so more of a human face on this whole uh, yeah. corruption thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Five years later, uh, he'd become a member of the New York State Senate in 1868 to 1873, um, and sitting in various uh, New York State legislatures. Um, and then while serving in the State Senate, uh, he split time between Albany and New York, um, and he made a lot of the connections that would be crucial for uh, going forward. He helped financiers like Jay Gold and Big Jim Fisk. Uh, Big he's Jim right. Fisk. Oh, Fisk, not Fist. Uh, even so. Uh, and Uri Rail- Railroad and Cornelius Vanderbilt, uh, the, the famous shipping and railroad tycoon, who yes. I'm sure will be a subject of a later episode, uh, by arranging for all sorts of legislation uh, that helped 
them in pursuing uh, right. particularly in in steamboats and the like and um, were they all were they all good to go to make a deal already or did were, were they like as in when 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 they were acquiring these these assets i guess were they when they went to them was it like listen we can make things very comfortable for you if you if you work with us that's another good question. I think that, you know, this is sometimes known as the age of the robber barons, uh, mm-hmm. which is, a, you know, a phrase for particularly shady and underhanded business practices, particularly following uh, the, the Civil War. And so Vanderbilt's a good example. Vanderbilt came from, from a working class background, uh-huh. he couldn't read, uh, he's, sorry, he could read, he couldn't really write English very well. Um, and he made it essentially just by being willing to be more ruthless and undercut people. So I think yeah. what was kind of happening is you're dealing with a kind of a new kind of capitalist, right? A new kind yeah. of businessman who was completely unashamed uh-huh. and willing to, to, to do dirty deals. Uh, in return for his trouble, uh, Tweed received a large chunk of stock and was made director of the company uh, with wow. Golden Fisk. Oh so, God. I mean, just, just brazenly corrupt. Robert Barron, I thought was a dude. I thought that was, <laughs> was going to be another guy. Um, you know that would not be an un, un, unrealistic name in this world. I'm Robert Barron. Yeah. Uh, this is my friend, uh, little Jimmy Bourgeoisie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and this is in New York, right? This is in New York. Yeah. This is all New York politics. But New York was also crucial to the development of of the railroad throughout the whole country. Uh, Vanderbilt, in particular, got into the railroad business through uh, getting steamboat licenses in New York. Again, mm-hmm. all all acquired through these cynical tactics. Right, because um, I just want to ask if this was like, if there were other boss tweeds, you know, if there's like, you know, yeah. head, head of the court silk in Ohio <laughs> or something. I don't know. Like, if he's, That's a great, that's another really good King question. King Wool in, in the South, you know, like. Regis Heronbone. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Prince of California. Um, Dennis Leary in, <laughs> in, in California. <laughs> yes, so. It's a good question. I think the answer is almost certainly. Um, mm. New York has always had a particularly strange and corrupt political system. A few decades later, um, Robert Moses, uh, who's who's like another boss tweet figure, who really a lot of people think helped build New York, but who was just a phenomenally uh, malicious individual, mm-hmm. would would do a lot to shape that city. So I think I think there is a particular history of this in New York. But yeah, this is a time when America is being carved up and reshaped. Mm. Uh, reshapen um, by individual people, most of them strange and uh, willing to do things that that uh, more dignified politicians really aren't. Right. Yes. You got to remember, like carry an axe or something, like, <laughs> <laughs> like swing a fucking big ass axe yeah. around, or call himself Boss Tweed. Yeah. Um, you got to remember as well that following this, um, and this is a political parallel for today. Give me the sweet nectar. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say this next point will like suck what's it dust off my face. <laughs> Following this era is is the era of populism and the rise of of the first real populist within politics who who mm-hmm. uh, speak to the anxieties about this age of exorbitant wealth. Uh-huh. Um, but also do the exact same trick. As Boss Tweed play the working man, the common man, have this yeah. kind of rapport with people. And so what, what you really have here is the development of, of political tactics and rhetoric that will become cemented for, for decades to come. Yeah. And who was exorbitant wealth, sorry? Who was he in the, in the grand scheme? 
Last time. That's the last time I'll do that joke. That's the last time. He I was bossed. That's no. Don't yeah. don't stop. If I say another one, you've got to. Okay. Um, so okay. So now we're getting into we're getting really into the thick of Tweed's difficulties. Um, and, and <laughs> it's a thick it's a thick fabric. You know, you gotta get. You gotta... <laughs> it's thick. It's uh, surprisingly waterproof. You know, even yeah. though it's uh, you wouldn't think it is just knitted, but uh, it'll do who is it. this guy? Who is this like textile guy describing? I don't fucking know. He's, <laughs> you know, like, he's the Tweed man. It's actually really very effective. Um. So we're getting into the thick of uh bostweed's career and his is uh the many folds of corruption that uh, enveloped him even the guys who write about this era who weren't directly involved have ridiculous names um this guy was one of mark twain's writing partners uh, and his name is albert biglow Payne. <laughs> um well is it big and... or low pain what is it? <laughs> the biggie low pain um he said uh, of tweed and uh richard slippery dick Connolly and all the tammany uh, lot uh, that, quote, their methods were curiously simple and primitive. There were no skillful manipulations of figures, making detection difficult. Connolly, as controller, had charge of the books and declined to show them. With his fellows, he also controlled the courts and most of the bar. So it was just good old-fashioned corruption, right? They had control of the of the controller who's in charge of the mm-hmm. um, the finances. Right. Uh, and he simply refused to show what they were doing. <laughs> um, uh, oh, and boy. In- Doing so, they cultivated one of the most elaborate systems of political corruption in history. Boss Tweed's methods of corruption uh, were, were were broad and deep, and there were many different ways that he uh, embezzled funds from the state <laughs> of New York and from ordinary yeah. people. So we, we don't have time to go into all of them. Um, but as I just mentioned, the basic uh, scheme involved uh, the Tweed ring and all of the people who are closest to him um, moving deals around uh, and ensuring that if there was a contract to be given out, say, for building, um, that everybody got a piece of the pie. So, for example, when they were constructing the new New York County courthouse, rather than just try and keep overheads low, um, money was moved around so that people were paid a ridiculous amount. So, quote, a carpenter was paid $360,000, roughly $4.9 million today. Oh for one month's labor in a building with very little woodwork and a plasterer got $130,000. I'm, I'm writing down that figure a little bit. Yeah. Uh, 1.82 million uh, for two days work. So people within the tweed circle got a good deal. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, money was found for everyone by, by giving, uh, uh, large amounts to people. Um, each commissioner received a 20% kickback from the bills of the supplies. Um, <laughs> uh, nice. the, so um, they also uh, garnered uh, profits from uh, large development projects on the Upper East Side, mm-hmm. uh, like Yorkville and Harlem. Uh, they take a percentage of contracts uh, mm-hmm. and they're t- raking money as well through property taxes. That's a really sucky. If these guys are like outlaw politicians and they're still doing taxes, that's they're still like, doing taxes. They're still getting taxes. Yeah, why exactly. did you even? Why even? Dude, why even be cool at all? Why, like, you can't, <laughs> yeah, why be outlaws? Means yeah, nothing. Yeah, if me. you're just gonna run to daddy, if you're gonna yeah. say all the tax money, you do your money. <laughs> now, that's what I just to briefly mention it. That's that's kind of what I, yeah, what I hate and kind of what I like about Boss Tweed is that what you have here is just so clearly a man who is more in it for himself than than basically anybody else, yeah, even more than like contemporary political figures who we won't name because mm-hmm. what he sees in crime and also the law 
and and nefarious means and also legitimate means is just ways for him to to get to for boss to get some to just get to his get ahead yeah he just it's all yeah, get his boss tweedier so he'll use crony capitalism or he'll use the fumbling meddling of the state just to get Fifty thousand more dollars, you know, yeah. just, just to buy more brandy. I mean, the dude, the dude does not care. He's completely without scruple. Yeah, um, I almost just... want to ask how recently currency had been invented at this point. <laughs> Part of me is like, maybe it was because like money had just come out, and they were like, "I need all the money." Um, <laughs> like, I need all of it now. Money I don't know if that dropped. Yeah, they'd had they'd had money and they'd had gold standard currency for a while. The financialization of America was big, though. Okay. Um, the, the the development of of financial tools and financial institutions yeah. um, was a little bit more recent. Yeah, um, I and, feel like uh, the standard my questions are, are dropping. <laughs> I was really, <laughs> felt like I was doing really good before, and now where it's does like... money come from? <laughs> Did they have money in the eighteen fifties? <laughs> um, yeah. The answer is yes, but there was certainly we're talking about fertile economic ground here. I mean, uh-huh. one of the things is that you know. Uh, this is just a brief comment, but like a lot of things you hear about in the commentary to this period is, is people say, oh, the Gilded Age, right? It seemed like it was a, it was very wealthy, but it's the, you know, the gold is a thin veneer. But I mean, that is nothing compared to our veneer now, right? Mm-hmm. There was lots of speculation. There were many economic crises within the Golden Age, little booms and busts mm-hmm. for a few decades, but also they built shit. They built yeah. bridges and trains and, and remade the geography of the United States. And now yeah. we have tech bubbles that go every yeah. like th- six years. And that's the sign they make when they pop as well. Absolutely. It's not even a crash. Yeah. They go, <laughs> what more uh, can we build? You know, another train? Maybe. <laughs> the US could do with a few more trains. I know we'd be could, like that guy, yeah. but, uh, but they, could, they could do with a train or two. Yeah, I saw that Billy Connolly documentary. Um, Billy Connolly is a sorry. He's a modern uh, comedian. He's not uh, a guy in that time. Um, <laughs> although jury's out. Glasgow Connolly. I think he lives through that time, even though he's <laughs> even though he's like definitely. Yeah, he was always there, even remotely. Yeah, yeah. Billy's been in the background of many uh, many a lithogram. Yes. So they also supervised and helped invest in a building of the Brooklyn Bridge, uh, for which. Tweed and two other Tammany colleagues got half of the controlling stock oh um, in the bridge company, which meant that even though uh, it was the cities of Brooklyn and Manhattan who were fronting up the money, they had mm. basically no control over it. Um, so they just got this, a cut to like. Yeah, but there's this amazing nexus of both. They got a cut of the money. They got the controlling stock, but they also had the political power. Right? They could right. they could decide how it uh, went down. Um, he'd go on to buy a mansion on Fifth Avenue and Forty Third Street. Uh, full of horses and crazy rich people stuff, and and uh, this was also a big era of of the the ridiculous uh, gilded age house, which is probably a topic we'll do on this podcast at some point. But suffice it to say, in this era, the newly um, wealthy American upper class decided that they wanted uh, big ass stately homes right, of their own, and they built some of some ungodly monstrosities. Oh, really? uh, Vic mansions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the the early McMansions. Vanderbilt's children, not him, because he was comparatively frugal. But his children would go on to build. I mean, we're talking. Yeah, we're talking uh, Luigi's Mansion shit. I mean, oh god, is, they, they they it's yeah, it's that tasteless throwing around. If you've got horses in a house, you definitely don't have a sense of interior decoration, do you? You, you definitely don't. He had stables, to be clear. Now, uh, Boss Tweed, of course, did not survive unchecked throughout this period. Okay. Um, uh, and his downfall uh, came slowly and then sort of all at once. So the, 
there's it's a, it's a multifaceted story again you know you could, you could take it from any different angle this is going to be a very very brief summary mm-hmm. um, but a whole bunch of uh, incidents conspired to to bring boss down so um he was continually under assault from uh, major new york papers like harper's uh and various other you know newspapers that had taken against his uh particular style the new york times as well um he was also the subject of of some of the most famous early uh, editorial cartoons, which liked to depict him as large, I guess, because yeah. when a man when a man is big and his name is Boss Tweed, the editorial basically writes itself. Tweed reportedly said of all those uh, of of all the editorial cartoons he appeared in, "Stop them damned pictures." <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care much what the papers say about me. My constituents don't know how to read, but they can't help seeing damned pictures. Oh man, that's so funny. That's exactly how political cartoonists see themselves now. They, they yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, uh, no one ever says that now. But yeah. once upon a time, there were yeah. actually drew blood. Those damned pictures. Those I love that. That's like, <laughs> dude, Boss Tweed said, "I hate those. I wish you wouldn't do those." <laughs> Those suck. Why would you do those of me? That's me yeah. you've drawn, but you've made me look bad. Boss Tweed said, is that supposed to be me? I don't get it. People can see this? You print this? I don't know. You print this and people buy it? How many? <laughs> Boss Tweed does not understand the editorial cartoon <laughs> form. Another political incident, and again, it's, it's interesting that politics largely is what, is what brings Tweed down, um, that seriously hurt him was the 1871 Orange Riot. Um, which was a riot that took place over um, whether or not a group of Irish Protestants would be allowed to march through New York. Mm-hmm. Um, now, initially, Tweed, whose support uh, was heavily Catholic, mm-hmm. um, uh, Catholic Irish, uh, or Tweed Circle rather, a different right. member of Circle, had blocked this. Um, but then, this had, in response, there had been a significant uh, degree of riots. Um, they then went on to allow them, but resulted in an even bigger riot, <laughs> at which over <laughs> no 60 kidding. people were killed and 150 people were injured. Yeah, I mean, speaking on behalf of the, uh, well, the somewhat Irish, uh, the second generation Irish, yeah, there's really no winning. <laughs> we'll ride if you do, and we'll ride if you don't. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. there's no... Uh, there's Absolutely. No and so this really hurt its popularity with his most important base, which is, remember, the Irish immigrants. Yes. Um, yeah. Because he'd been seen, one, to fail to acquiesce, to... to bow to the demands of the protestants but also uh, there was a riot which uh, uh, many people died so he, he lost in both ways yeah and people would remember that i feel like in, in oh yeah in, in yeah families and things they would like... absolutely yeah oh the irish love nothing more than remembering violence from the past that's, <laughs> that's pretty much all they do that's yeah. can a whole culture be founded on this <laughs> so following this a whole bunch of media stories start breaking uh, and the press campaign against tweed starts to gain traction Okay. Um, uh, and all sorts of uh, kinds of embezzlement are exposed to the press. Uh, in July, uh, on the 29th of July, um, a huge uh, report is released by the Times about the, quote, gigantic frauds of the ring exposed. The ring is mm-hmm. uh, referring to the Tweed ring, that fetching garment that we all like. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> in August of that year, Tweed began just transferring ownership uh, of real estate and other investments to his family members because he knew... Uh, the, wow. the jig could very well be up. What um, did they get him on? They were just, well, what could they on, do? Oh, yeah. Well, one of the big things that they got was the Times obtained the records of James Watson's The Tweed Rings Bookkeeper. Oh, man. <laughs> so the ledgers where it says crime done here, crime done here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. There was also oh, infighting uh, where people had threatened to expose each other uh, to the press. Right. And immediately there becomes a huge international 
uh, furore about the finances of mm-hmm. New York. Confidence drops massively, uh, and uh, Boss Tweed starts hemorrhaging support. Very strangely, and I'm just going to read a block of text okay. uh, from, uh, from, the, from the Wikipedia page on this. Um, there are a lot of great articles on this, but I have to say, this is the best Wikipedia page I've ever read. I went back to it, and it's <laughs> yeah, all yeah. collated very well. Sometimes when they smash it, they smash it. You know? Sometimes they just, they just get it. Um, so uh, as everything was going rather badly for Tweed, um, significant figures in New York uh, decided to meet. And I'm just going to read this quote. So, quote, the consensus was that the wisest and best citizens should take over the governance of the city and attempt to restore investor confidence. The result was the formation of the Executive Committee of Citizens and Taxpayers for Financial Reform of the City. A very uh, catchy name, also known as the Committee of 70, which attacked Tammany by cutting off the city's funding. Property owners refused to pay their municipal taxes, and a judge, Tweed's old friend George Bernard, remember him, enjoined the city comptroller from issuing bonds or spending money. Unpaid workers turned against Tweed, marching to City Hall and demanding to be paid. Tweed doled out some of the funds from his own purse, $50,000, but it was not sufficient to end the crisis, and Tammany began to lose its essential base. So significant American... Uh, capitalists and industrialists and rich people decide that they're they're just not going to handle this because Boss Tweed's uh, reputation has so hurt um, Mm -hmm. New York and has made business running business so difficult uh, that he's now become a threat to them which is sort of what I meant when I referenced uh, FIFA earlier and and kinds of corruption this is often how people go down right yeah because he broke the law it's because he was making business difficult to run yeah yeah yeah, yeah. some corruption greases the wheels but some corruption you know grinds the wheels together yeah. and they're it always it difficult yeah. they'll always so, play ball like if it if it makes sense exactly exactly and so um uh, as well as losing a certain degree of political support from his constituents uh he lost the support of of the wealthy which is what he really needed so eventually tweed was arrested and he was released on one million dollars bail and he was re-elected to the state senate after that in 1871 um because of how popular he was in his local district um the significance of the tweed ring and of tammany is is hugely uh on the wane so that was a big like when he went down people were like oh we don't fuck with him anymore kind of thing no exactly yeah and they also crippled tammany right they didn't pay the property taxes and and they Mm -hmm. uh, they they made war on this this group that had given him so much support right um that he was really hurt he goes to the courts he goes back and forth in the courts rage is not going to walk through it's 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 all yeah yeah uh, relatively uh boring but increasingly uh his money uh is is bled out from him really just um, from the process from the process and also because he's transferring his money away and also because uh-huh. his assets are dwindling anyway um uh and although there were various attempts to uh, by the board of aldermen to, to get him released by the uh by the governor of new york um the governor said he's not having it uh in a rare instance where that lobbying doesn't work uh and oh, he right. remained he remained incarcerated so boss tweed died in ludlow street jail on the 12th of april 1878 wow um from severe pneumonia uh and that'll get you that'll get that'll you know i tell you what pneumonia in jail that'll do it yeah um so that is the life career and death of boss tweed just wow just for for clarification i would like to just so we're 100 percent clear on this the amount that Boss Tweed is said to have taken um, is is difficult to estimate, um, but the, that he had likely garnered for himself 
tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in 1870s money. Yeah, yeah. Which is to say billions today yeah. in the state of New York. Oh my God. Um, Boss Tweed really got his. Um, yeah. But then, in a, in, a, in a surprising story, he died in a prison cell on yeah. corruption charges. So it makes a remarkably stark contrast for things today is really all I have to say. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good point to end this on, I feel. Do we want to do the Wonka scale? Uh, real yeah, quick. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? You do. You do yours. It's a tough one, then... right? Because we've been. He. It's a very. I mean, you. 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 You heard the way I reacted to you know diamond rings and axe swinging, <laughs> and he's a tall bloke, and it's quite. Uh, you know, like a tall man. Maybe I'd buy into the voluntary fire thing if he put me up for it. I, know. <laughs> I can. I can get down with that. So that, that was a little seductive, and I think the world is quite interesting um but also i don't really see any of that there, there was no good as you say like he was just trying to do do what he does i did yeah it, it it was fun to talk about though so i can't pretend i wasn't a little <laughs> a little seduced i um, should just say i mean i left it out because i think people talk way too much about this i mean he did a lot of philanthropy he, he find ways of looking after you know and and mm-hmm. uh he helped he facilitated the finding of the new york public library i mean there's all sorts of stuff and it was an era of great building and infrastructure and stuff but those are mechanisms of control right that's yeah. how he developed control and how he yeah. fostered control so i'm not yeah. giving him like points no yeah and it's not about i mean the wonka scale for listeners who are who are new to this it's not about if they did good or bad it's about how much did you ignore the bad because you found it cool to talk about it uh i would say honestly on the on the how much we forgot that scale on the goods it was pretty strong. I'm going to say maybe a six or a seven. No, 6.5. 6.5. That's I pretty did, good. The whole time you're thinking he would fuck you up. Um, <laughs> and then bad, yeah, nine. I put yeah, it up there because that was people's livelihoods were so important then. <laughs> like he had so much control that he could just dash like <laughs> loads of lives at once. How about yourself? I agree. I'm going to say, I'm going to say a seven for good, more than 6.5. I, I think, I think his, uh, his, the dude's name was Boss Tweed. I mean, that's yeah, what really Tweed. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and yeah, I think a nine. I think it's pretty monstrous. It's dampened. It's also dampened people's opinion. I think of government, right? Of what the state can do and of, yeah. and of the capacity. Which I mean, no, it's not my fault. I don't really it doesn't bother me yeah. too much. But it, but to make everything look so cronyish by being such a crony, uh, yeah. really, uh, <laughs> set us back Wait, in all sorts of ways. There's a way to avoid that. Just don't be a crony. Be. Don't be a crony. Just um, you know, don't do that. Um, so there we are. That's Boss Tweed. Boss Tweed. That was great. I love that. I really, uh, it was completely unexpected. I knew nothing about any of that. So it was really fun to talk about. That was, that was yeah. wonderful. Um, I was just going to say, just, to, just uh, one note to end on, uh, your Boss Tweed name uh, is the highest rank you've ever had in, in a job uh, and the latest fabric you're wearing. So what's, <laughs> what's, your, what's your Boss Tweed name? Um, mine is Sales Associate Velour. <laughs> Well, I'm nice to meet you, sales associate Valor. I'm supervisor Corduroy. So, well, uh, so I I'm, think we're doing well. That was a wonderful. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, we've been supervisor Corduroy and uh, sales associate <laughs> Valor. Uh, we hope you tune in next week. If you're listening on Apple Music, do leave us a review on iTunes. It helps us find new new listeners. Uh, and just you know, word of mouth just lets people know if you're into us. Just just tell 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 everyone. Tell your dog. Tell your your mother. Tell mm-hmm. your lover. 
Tell uh, your lover, whisper, whisper it as sweet nothings in her ear. Absolutely. And uh, you can catch us, you can follow us on social media as well. That's Rich Podcast uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, uh, please tune in next time when we will have a brand new one that I will provide. Um, in the meantime, like, uh, you know, uh, Rory, M- Hamlin M- McGillicutty is going down to the old, to, to the barn with um, Hamfist McElroy and, and some other. <laughs> And and big big Dalek. <laughs> if you want to come, McGillicuddy's back in time. McGillicuddy's back I in can't time, believe yeah. that. And he said he's going to buy drinks all night long. Uh, oh, fantastic! I hope he brings old Tabby Calico. Uh, she, she's a she's a dime. I, like all um, just I'll real good kitty. I hope is going to be there too. But yeah, uh, thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, catch you next time. Thank bye guys. You. Bye bye. Bye bye.